0: It's a place where we'll learn about each other and ourselves, dive into important issues that affect us, discover all that we have in common, and make some memories. So pour yourself a glass of bread and get comfortable. Every night is ladies' night, and we are women. Tonight's interview is with influencer and Instagram coach Tiffany Chung. I've been following Tiffany for a while now and I was so excited to connect and get to hear her story firsthand during this interview. Tiffany was raised in a traditional Chinese home with the mentality of speak when spoken to without much of a voice. When she got pregnant at age 18 while in an abusive relationship with her boyfriend, it obviously created a lot of conflict with her parents and community. As you'll hear her talk about during this conversation, Tiffany became a single mom at age 18 and was barely making it financially. She was raising a child while living off of food stamps, sometimes not even having enough food for herself, but she always made sure that her child was fed. With a lot of internal mindset shifts, shifting from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset, and of course, a lot of hard work, Just this past year, Tiffany went from zero to $200,000. Now she's bringing in a six figure income. I am so excited for you to hear her story,
1: learn a lot, and be
0: inspired.
1: I grew up in a Chinese household, pretty traditional. And I was taught similarly to a lot of different Chinese families, especially as a girl, to kind of stay small and to speak when spoken to. So very, um, I felt like I was very limited in expression and I know this might be really weird to hear for people who know me now, because I'm very loud, I'm very out there, I talk about everything, I'm very open. Um, But communication and expression of emotion was something that wasn't really taught, especially in my family. And so it was something that was so important to me that as I grew up, it was something I had to learn to um, kind of come to terms with. But very young and as I was growing up, I felt like I had to act a certain way. I felt like I had to do things a certain way in order to be loved or worthy or accepted uh, within my family, within school and different communities. Wow, okay. So how did that impact you as a teenager
0: and then I guess as an adult?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So as a teenager and growing up into adulthood, I recognized that I was more emotional than anyone else in my family. And so it made me feel like there was something, either that there was something wrong with me or I never felt like I could fit in. Um, I always felt like things were just, I just felt so limited and constricted because I was raised a certain way with a certain religious background, certain things that I could do and couldn't do. Um, My parents were more on the strict side. So I wasn't even able to really hang out with my friends. Even when I got my first car, I wasn't even allowed to drive it (laughs) until I got like my official, you know, permit. And so I felt like there were so many limitations in the basis of like what was possible for me. And it wasn't until I got into adulthood and I became a single mom really young, which of course disrupted everything that my family kind of built and expected for me because it was my first year of college, um. And we can get into that too. But from there, I really discovered, hey, I have a voice, I have dreams, and I'm able to manifest anything that I want in this life. And I was able to start looking instead of what was possible in my current limitations and circumstances um, and into the unknown possibilities of what I could tap into. And I feel like from there, I really started to kind of rise as a woman and as a human being. But it did take a lot of deconditioning. It did take a lot of reframing a lot of the things that I was taught growing up in order to release that and release those subconscious teachings and societal conditionings. For sure. I'm sure it did. Yeah. So what made you,
0: what was the catalyst that that made you be able to like release everything and start taking chances? You said that happens around college time, right?
1: Yeah. So I had my daughter at 19. I got pregnant at 18 and it was a toxic relationship. It was really abusive, um, specifically verbally and emotionally. There was a lot of gaslighting and It was just after, and I was in the relationship. He was my high school boyfriend. So we were together for years. Like it was around five years. And then we did this on and off thing because we were like, oh, let's try to make it work. It's not really working. And it got to a point where I was like, I kept... um, staying stuck in this victim mentality of like, why does this keep happening to me? What is happening in my life that's causing this to happen over and over, right? Like I kept looking within myself as if like, um, like oh my goodness, as if I had no um, control over the situation, which in some situations, and it's a different for everyone who's in a um, either domestic violence, uh, abuse situation or circumstance, there are things that make you feel like you're stuck. But for me, I was putting a lot of it on myself, like, oh, why is this happening to me? And it wasn't until I recognized like, hey, I have my own voice, I have a purpose, and I am able to create the life that I desire. And I'm no longer living in what I truly desire. This is obviously not what I expected when I you know, got pregnant or got into this relationship. So that really helped me switch my entire mentality into what is possible for me and that life is happening for me, not to me. But I also had to take a lot of responsibility for my own actions leading up to that point. And that was a really pivotal moment for me because within a matter of months, I lost my job, actually lost the place I was living in. I moved out on my own with my daughter. I got a new job um, and I was just kind of on my own and I was figuring out kind of what life had in store for me. But it was at that point where I realized I was just sick of living a certain way, falling in love with potential um, instead of who someone actually is in the moment. and. I guess for myself as well, I kept putting my worth and weight into people and things around me versus just taking charge of what I could control and what I could craft in my own life.
0: That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, it, you're so right. I think a lot of people, we like, we tend to look at external stuff as causes for our happiness or for. Right. Yeah. And when we look inside and start taking ownership, and as you said, it's sometimes that there are external circumstances. So we're not saying that that no one could, could put any worth on that, but yeah. um, it really does all start from the inside. And that's, that's huge. It's huge. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I love that you said for me, not to me also. That was so great. Yeah. That's such a pivotal and strong, powerful mindset shift when you start living your life, knowing that every single thing is happening for you and that the universe is going to teach you lessons over and over and over again until (laughs) you get it. Trust me. I was in that same relationship, living that same cycle for five years, like five whole years until I realized this is not the way I want to be treated. I need to leave. I need to get out of this, not just for me, but for my daughter too. Um, And recognizing that when something doesn't go our way, like when we don't get the thing that we think that we want, it actually isn't what is best for you right? Something better is going to take its place or something better is coming your way. But when we can't see ahead of the game, we only see what's in front of us. And we think, oh, this is a failure. This was a mistake. I didn't get what I wanted. I lost. No, you're constantly winning. You are constantly um, receiving. And the universe is constantly rearranging things in the spiritual realm that you can't see necessarily um, or not meant to see see, not meant to know, and everything's happening for your highest good. I actually have that written down in a post-it note. Oh, I love that. I love that. It's
0: <laughs> so true. It's so true. And I think part of it is letting things flow. And that's such a huge, I think a lot of us, especially like high achievers, you just want to make it happen, make it happen. And sometimes oh, you have to just, I you know, know let. because the universe
1: know. has its plan. It's true. Yeah. It's hard. It's a lot easier said than done. It takes some time. It takes time for us to get from, okay, I know I need to release. I know I need to, you know, kind of surrender in the situation and just kind of take or, or learn to take control, but it's, it's, it's definitely something that takes time. So be patient with yourself through this process as well. None of this happened for me overnight. For sure. For
0: sure. So did someone point it outs you the way you were living and kind of looking at external circumstances and everything? Or was it like it just like came to you one day? You're like, I I need to change my life.
1: Yeah, I think it was just, I mean, my friends had been telling me for, uh, I believe, a while. And it was just something that I was aware of but I wasn't aware that I had so much control over the situation. Again, it was like that feeling of being like emotionally or mentally stuck and feeling like you're stuck, feeling like there's no way out. Um, but then recognizing and regaining your power. I would call that chapter of my life, like regaining my power and stepping into, who i am and who i'm meant to be. and so for me it was like awareness 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 but then not actually taking action until i just got to a point where i was like this is not this is not where i'm meant to be. I need to get out of this. And so it looks different for people. Sometimes people recognize that they take action right away. Some people know and they kind of have to ride the wave until they get to a point where they're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do or creating an action plan. Um, So it really depends and it depends on the situation. And some are more difficult than others, especially when there's kids involved. So for me in my situation, I did everything I could to try to make that work. But then ultimately it was that decision of choosing myself at the end of the day, choosing myself, choosing myself sanity, choosing my happiness and um, the happiness for my future and being able to prioritize that above all else, knowing that I didn't know that it was a lot of unknown. I had no idea what was in store for me. I was just trusting the universe and I kind of took that leap and expected the net to appear. And I did the same thing when I lost my nine to five and started my own business, I had no idea what was going to happen. I was just trusting that intuitive nudge. So listening to your gut, listening to your body, listening to your intuition, it's going to tell you, it's going to tell you when something's wrong, when something doesn't feel right, when something feels off, um, you'll know. Absolutely.
0: It's so funny because people who have been listening to my podcast or been following me for a while, um, they're probably thinking like they're, they're so aligned because I talk about like gut feelings all the time and intuition. That's like my, so I love that you're saying that because our intuition has, yeah, it holds so much weight. It really does. Like people underestimate the power that it's literally a gift from God that we have this, that we know your body knows. Mm -hmm. So I want to like go back a little bit to your pregnancy and
1: the story and what happened. Yeah, absolutely. So I did grow up with a religious background and family. I'm not so much religious now. I'm very much more spiritual. So tapping into my spiritual side, all of that good stuff, God and the universe, kind of seeing God as source is um, where I'm at right now. But at that point, I was still involved in some church communities. And I remember when I found out, I found out in the second trimester um, because my cycles are very irregular. So and I didn't feel I didn't really feel any different. So I was like, there's no way. Right. There's just no way. Um, It was also kind of that lack of, you know, when parents. It's like that thing when parents don't bring up topics or they don't talk about things and just expect everything is going to be fine and just expect you to know and to be educated, which is why I think that sex education is so important and not just coming from school and uh, and teachers, but from your parents as well, which is why I'm so open about everything with my daughter, because I think when you're able to take charge of your health and your body and know your options and have full body autonomy, it's so, it's so, so powerful. Um, So I, yeah, I was 18 and I ended up taking a test. I had um my daughter's dad, my boyfriend at the time, go and uh get the test for me. Cause I was so scared and I still remember it. I couldn't take the test at home because my parents were there. So we, went to CVS and there was a Starbucks right, right next door. So I went into the Starbucks um, to use their bathroom, right. And to take the test. And I remember, I still remember this standing in line in front of me was a woman with two kids, one of them in a stroller. And I was like, why? (laughs) And I was like freaking out. And then I went in, I took the test. Obviously it was positive. And I was like, Nope, it's wrong. This is wrong. This is a false positive. There's no way. So I took it Moving past the woman in the stroller, getting out of Starbucks. And then I just showed her dad, my boyfriend at the time. Um, and then we both just cried. And then so this is funny, but I remember him going, Oh my goodness, we need to go to the emergency room. And I was like, Why? This isn't an emergency, it's just an emergency to us. <laughs> I was like, Why would we need to go? What That's are they hilarious. gonna do? <laughs> so, But I remember, um, I actually remember scheduling an abortion consultation, because I remember just feeling very inadequate, very young, obviously, I even had a friend tell me like, Tiffany, you should get an abortion because you're not responsible enough to be a mom. And those words really hurt me. Obviously, I'm not friends with her anymore. Um, but it made me feel like, am I ready to do this? And it was a lot of anxiety. It was a lot of depression. It was a lot of like trying to keep my mental health sane for the sake of the baby. Cause I didn't want it to affect her, but at the same time, not knowing what to do. Cause I was freaking 18 and I ended up telling my mom that I was pregnant on Thanksgiving day right before we had dinner, <laughs> <laughs> Great timing. She knew, she knew something was wrong. I'm not very good at masking my emotions. I'm very expressive. Um, And it was, it was insane. And so I I remember the first ultrasound, the first appointment I had, um, because it was so far along in the pregnancy, I ended up um, seeing her on the ultrasound. And I remember in that moment, as I saw her, I don't know what it was, call it God, divine guidance, intuition. I don't know what happened in that moment, but I was like, oh, she's meant to be mine, I'm meant to keep her. Um, And that was just for me personally, I 100% support women doing whatever they want with their bodies and having full autonomy and access to abortion, so I will say that. Um, But for me in that moment, I was like, oh, I'm meant to be her mom. And some women don't feel that, some women do. And so I did, and I honestly feel like it was just kind of like a match made in heaven. It was very rocky um, moving forward with that because I was still in school and I was working and I was in this toxic relationship. So a lot of motions. Um like I mentioned I was still in that church community and not a single person, no youth leader, nobody congratulated me and nobody talked to me after that. And a lot of them actually stopped talking to my parents um and were treating them badly, saying bad things to to a point where they had to leave the church.
0: That's so sad. Um,
1: yeah. And it was it was really upsetting because Christians say that they're supposed to be about loving everybody and accepting everybody. And so when I went through that in my life, it just taught me like a lot of people aren't about what they say, or they're very judgmental and hold a lot of that judgment. And that was the reason why I also stepped away from the church too. Um, so I therefore kind of embarked on you know, this journey on my own, Um, I ended up getting kicked out of my house because my parents didn't want me living there anymore. So I moved in with um, my boyfriend at the time. And then from there moved out and moved. And I've been living alone with my daughter uh, ever since. And so she, we co-parent her and we go kind of back and forth between houses. Um, But yeah, there was, there was a lot, it was a lot of me again, regaining my power, a lot of me stepping into what is where I'm meant to be and my highest good. It was a lot of me also having to listen to my intuitive nudges and learning how to advocate for myself as a young mother and for my daughter. Um, and because I was so broke, I think I was making, like, it It had to have been, like at that point, maybe $17 an hour, but I was only working part-time, and I was still going to school. So there were some nights where I would choose for my daughter to be fed because I couldn't, you know, either order food for myself because I had to pay rents or there was some sort of unexpected like car issue or something that needed to, you know, get paid or taken care of that I had to prioritize. Um, and I was also breastfeeding her for the first couple of years, which really helped. And I was on um, food stamps and she was on WIC, which is um, uh, support food support for young children, uh, women and infants. So I had a lot of assistance at that time. And I remember not ever feeling like I was ever gonna be financially free living in the Bay Area, which is one of the most expensive cities, you know, San Francisco is one of the most expensive cities. If not, I think it's the most expensive city in the United States and homes here, you know, like I was paying rents. It was just a one bedroom and like $1,500 a month. right? So really, really high uh, just prices for everything and just constantly having this lack mindset So the biggest thing for me that helped me make such a big shift within the last couple of years was shifting from this lack, this scarcity into abundance, into what is possible for me um, and really changing my outlook and the way that I view things which can be really difficult based on your circumstances and based on what you've had to go through. Um, especially since, you know, if your environment is people around you that have broke mindsets and they're staying stuck in that place, it's hard to be the person that breaks out of that. And so honestly, it was a lot of mindset work, awareness, harnessing that control and power over my life again, in order to come to a place where I feel like I have more, more power and boundaries around my emotions, as well as how I see the world and what's possible for me within that.
0: For sure. Wow. Yeah, no, that's, you're seriously amazing that you, I'm just like picturing this in my head, like this 18 year old getting pregnant and then being disowned pretty much. Yeah. And then you re- you're on your own um, in this expensive city, trying to make it and take care of your daughter, keep her alive. <laughs> I can't even imagine. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about also like where you are now, but I just want to, I just have a couple questions first. So please, first of
1: all, did your parents help you out at all, all the time or are they? Yeah. So when they first found out, um, they were obviously really upset and shocked and they didn't really know how to respond. My sister was in high school at the time. And so they felt like the best thing to do was to just have me move out. They did help me find a place, but they just didn't want me, you know, they just didn't want me in the house. And of course, over time, this had to test our communication skills and just the way that we, um, communicated with one another, especially with my mom. Um, And she's, yeah, it was really difficult for her during that time. I believe that that was one of her, well, I'm sure it's every parent's like worst nightmare, but for her, it was something she brought up over and over. um, And she was really scared about that happening because she knew, I don't know what she thought about me, but (laughs) I really don't know. Um, (laughs) But it was a fear for her. So she didn't really know how to handle it. And again, she's not great at expressing her emotions. So it normally comes out in this like control and anger and, and trying to manipulate the situation. She's also a Virgo. That doesn't have anything to do with <laughs> but, but she's she's <laughs> a lot. She was a lot. So at first, yeah, it was really difficult. It was really, really difficult. I will say though, um, over time, as things continue to um as I had her, as I had as I had Alaska um, and she saw the baby, she obviously fell in love. And from there, she was able to really help um, watch her mend the relationship, talk more about the situation, but it took a lot of time and it took a lot of patience. Um, it took a lot of grace on both ends. There was a lot of arguments while I was pregnant, um, but now, Alaska loves her and they have a really good relationship and they're always asking me to bring her over more and to offer to watch her. Um, so it's a really great relationship now, but, and I think that's normal. Like when a yeah. baby actually, when you, there's actually a baby, there's not much you can be mad about. It's a brand new life. It's so innocent. Like they love her so much. Um, So our relationship has definitely gotten tested, but it has gotten stronger because of it as well.
0: For sure, for sure. So looking back, you know, in hindsight, what opportunities do you think that you held back from um, based on the way that you were raised in terms of like the speak when spoken to, a lack of power in a a way, you know what I mean? Um, Mm -hmm. Could you tell me about that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, in terms of opportunities, I felt like I had to stay very small. I had to stay. um, I I tap into a lot of human design. And so, um, one aspect of human design, you have different centers that are defined or undefined. And I have a defined throat center, which means that I am very expressive and I, I love expressing myself through words and I can talk a lot and share a lot. And because I was raised in a Very traditional Chinese home where a lot of things were more taboo. You didn't talk about a lot of things. You didn't have family discussions at dinner, Um, and it made me feel like I had to hold a certain area of myself back and who I actually was. I felt like I was constantly too loud or too expressive, or that I couldn't talk about certain things, and it made me feel like I can only show parts of myself to certain people and. parts of myself from others. Um, and as I grew up, it, it just caused me to have like certain friends here, certain friends here. And I was different people with different groups of friends. And so becoming an adult and living my most authentic life has now allowed me, and it it's, it's looked a lot like me being the same person and me having the same conversation, standing up for the same things all across the board and being very genuine as to who I am as a human being and not putting on or taking off masks depending on my environment. Um, Because it also taught me growing up to be a really big people pleaser. So there's just this aspect. And I think as women, this is something that's unfortunately common. We're like, as as women, we're meant to be these givers. We're meant to be nurturing and loving. And so especially with what I had to experience growing up in that traditional Chinese home, I felt like I constantly need to make everyone around me happy in order for me to be accepted or for me to be loved, to change a part of myself for three seconds, right? Just for someone else else's perceived happiness or someone's perceived acceptance of who I am. And so becoming an adult, regaining my power has been me being the same person in every single environment and really having this like unfuck unapologetic energy where it's like, you don't like me, you can take it or leave it. I am going to be genuinely who I am because that's in alignment for me. And whenever something's in alignment for me, it's an alignment for everyone else around me. So even if they don't see it at that time, I'm living my life authentically, it's going to inspire someone else to do the same. So
0: interesting that you say that. I completely agree and also going along those lines, not only is it going to inspire someone, you know, in the near future, when you feel like you're in alignment or when you know you're in alignment and you just feel happy with where you are in life, it affects everyone else around you because you end up you're in a better mood, you're in a better emotional like place. And it's just, and that's huge. Like people don't realize it, but like you're happy, you spread that great energy.
1: Exactly. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's a, it's a type of energy that you're able to give off when you live yourself, when you live your life completely in alignment and you're able to inspire others to do the same. Um, and it allows them to live their life in alignment and that could look completely different than yours. Um, but it can allow them to be that true version of themselves. And I truly believe that when everyone lives their life completely in alignment with their values and what feels good to them and what light, them up versus trying to shift things for someone else, whether it's their parents or their partner or their kids. You know, there's so many people around us that we love and we want to do things for, but the more that we're able to completely be ourselves, it allows everyone else to be themselves. And I feel like that raises the vibration of the universe. Absolutely. I completely agree. And also as a mom for you
0: specifically, I remember you mentioning that you made sure that you were a priority, but by making sure that you're, that you yourself, that's your priority. You're also making your daughter a priority because it extends to her. Yeah,
1: exactly. I've always put, I'm the most important person in my life. And I know for moms specifically, like as women, we're taught to give to others and to constantly put ourselves last. That's the noble thing to do, right? But then what does it teach our kids? It teaches our kids to put everyone else in front of themselves rather than taking care of their number one priority, which should be themselves. So we see a lot of marketing around self-love and self-care about it being fun and frilly and bath bombs and skincare But a lot of it, honestly, is setting boundaries, cutting cords, having tough conversations, maybe cutting people out of our lives, or being aware of limiting beliefs, right, and and learning to kind of take action around that or learning to just accept ourselves fully as who we are um, and working through trauma. And that's not always necessarily easy. And so when I put myself first and I get to fill up my own cup, it teaches my daughter to do the same. It allows her and it gives her permission to live her life fully in alignment because she sees me doing the same. She doesn't see me folding for anyone else. And I think that's so powerful, especially as women, um, because we're not you know we're not constantly putting everyone else on this pedestal and taking care of ourselves last like we can't pour from an empty cup you have to take care of yourself i remember um when i was first a when i was a first Um, like brand new mom. And I had my daughter, I would go out and see my friends or I would go out and do something for myself. And I would ask my mom to watch her and she'd be like, what kind of parent are you to leave your child at home and to go and do something for yourself? I didn't see any of my friends. I didn't do this. I didn't go out. I didn't, you know, she essentially didn't enjoy herself for several years as she (laughs) raised my sister and I, but I believe it's so important to take time for your Yourself and to see your friends and take care of yourself as number one in order to then show up and be refreshed and therefore take care of your children from that energy and not this exhausted, exasperated, constantly on edge, frustrated version of myself that my child doesn't want to see anyway. So when you fill, when you take time to fill up your own cup first, it's going to positively affect everyone else in your life. For
0: sure. Absolutely. So do you have any advice or tips for moms who are having a hard time, you know, taking care of themselves, how to do it or like, or why they should, well, I guess
1: you just spoke about why, but I guess like how to do it. Yeah, absolutely. I love tangibles. Um, One thing would be if you have if you have the resources or someone to reach out to with things like cleaning the house or, you know, washing the dishes or things, tasks that you feel like you, you just need to get done or even laundry, see where you can outsource that to somebody else. There's, there's going to be people in your area that are looking for work. Um, and you can see where you can outsource some of those things or automate certain things like trips to the grocery store. You can have that delivered that can save you an hour or even an hour and a half of getting the kids into the car and going, and then you're all frustrated and you're exhausted and you're running around trying to find everything like those are things that you can put on um automation and really see where you can ask for help. It does it really does take a village to raise a kid and I'm sure that there is there's got to be some sort of opportunity or resource where you can see where you can reach out for help whether it is somebody actually watching your kids, or maybe it is looking for um, counseling or therapy, just so you have someone to talk your thoughts out to. I've been in therapy for years, like I love being able to have a space where I can really just talk about my emotions, get things off my chest and be able to really build up specific tools in my toolbox to handle certain situations. Um, I think for moms, it's really hard for them to reach out for help because for some reason we're taught to, you know, as women become mothers and to become wives and then have it all figured out somehow without even being taught how to do it. And so when something goes wrong or something doesn't feel right, women feel like, oh, well, I should know this. So it's embarrassing to ask for help or I got it. I can do it on my own. Right. It's that mentality of like the bootstrapping. Um, But you're human. And so give yourself grace, especially since we're still in a global pandemic. There's so much going on right now in the world. Um, The more you can give yourself that grace and be patient with yourself and ask for help when you need it, the more it's going to benefit you and your children in the long run.
0: So true. So true. Yeah. I love that. It's funny because I always talk about self-care, but I'm also not a mom yet. So it's nice to hear from someone who's actually a mom who could be like, "No, it really works." I'm telling you, like you could do it.
1: Yeah. It's it's important. It's not always easy, but if I can do it while running a multi-six-figure business and going to school for my bachelor's and as a single mom, like anybody can find time to take care of themselves.
0: Yes, and I, and that is a great segue into what I want to talk about next, which is how you shifted from a scarcity mindset to an abundance mindset to be where you are today, which is
1: so inspiring to see, you know? Yeah. Yeah, Thank you. Um, Yeah. It was a lot of recognizing that my old ways were no longer serving me. That was step one was that awareness of like, okay, this is no longer working in my life. Something needs to change. And it was a lot of just going from What are my old ways of thinking and why are they keeping me stuck? So for example, like I'm a daughter of two immigrants. My dad uh, immigrated from Hong Kong uh, during his college years to come here for college and he was broke, had absolutely no money and he couldn't even afford a bike. So he would walk miles to get to school. And then he would bus tables at night to get a little bit of money. And he didn't know any English. Like imagine immigrating to a country where you did not know their main language at all. And on top of that, he was trying to build a corporate career and a life for himself. Um, And he faced a lot of racism and discrimination back then towards Asian Americans. And unfortunately still today, as we've seen in the news. Um, And so he worked, hours on end he worked 10 11 12 hours and he would often miss me and my sister's birthday parties and school events my mom ended up going to all of them right which I that's something I actually really appreciated that she did um but it taught me subconsciously. He didn't directly teach me this, but as a child, you learn more from seeing what your parents do and what they model. So if they're saying something to you and they're turning around and doing the exact opposite, you're pretty much like, oh, I don't have to listen to that, right? Right. Subconsciously, you're seeing them not walk the walk. And that's why I try to be just as like in integrity and as ethical as possible in telling my daughter and then just having open communication with her if, you know, if if life happens but also just being sure that i'm always walking the walk um and and not just saying it so for me seeing him model working 10, 11, 12 hours a day, and then going from being really broke to now being the partner at his firm and having a, being a really successful businessman, I was like, Oh, that's what I need to do. I need to work myself to death. I need to work these long hours and ne- I would never get to spend time with my daughter. I, all of these things that I just caught to subconsciously that aren't true. Um, and so when I first started my business, I had to sit down with that and really just Completely released, not just around like working and um, like productivity and taking action, but what did I believe about money? What did I believe about being successful? Um, If someone grew up in a really broke environment, they might think money is evil. Money, wanting more money and wanting an abundance of wealth is going to make me a bad person because maybe growing up, all that they saw were really rich people being greedy and thinking, or their parents saying, oh, we'll never be like them. We can never afford luxury things like that. Right. Which mm-hmm. is common for a lot of us really. Um, but as we grow up and we want to become our own bosses, then it starts coming out and we start recognizing, um, this, these things that we've been holding on to for so long. And then we end up self-sabotaging our own success because we think that, we're going to turn into a bad person if we make more money. That's what's happening in our subconscious. So it's a lot of deconditioning and having to reframe the way that we view money and success and business and our life and what we're capable of creating. So a book that really helped me to do that was You Are a Badass at Making Money by Jen Sincero. Have you read it? No, but it sounds like an awesome book. I love the yeah, title. I don't like it. It's very flowery. <laughs> okay, gonna- yeah. You're I'm a badass it. at making money by Jen Sincero. It, it's green cover. And I bought the audiobook and I listened to it. I think I listened to it all within like a just a couple of days. Um, and there are questions where you're right. So I took notes and notes and I was like, oh my goodness, this is life changing. Um, and I realized like, There was a lot that I was holding on to in terms of limiting beliefs and money and success and what was possible for me. And so once I was aware of it and I learned to reframe it and release it and let it go, I was like, I can do anything. And so I went into starting my business with that mindset because I had done all that deconditioning and because I was coming from this place of like, I'm going to be really conscious of what I tell myself and what I go into business doing. And I feel like I almost did it in such like a naive way where I was like, I can't fail. I'm telling myself that I can't fail. And so I'm just going to do it. And there are certain statistics that people share like, oh, 90% of businesses fail within the first year. And oh, it's so hard. So I literally just chose not to listen to any of that. And I was just like in my own bubble of like, business gets to be fun. Business gets to be easy. I get to love what I do. And out of nowhere, I literally manifested like $200,000 within my first year of business. It hasn't even been one year in business.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So how'd
1: you do it? It was literally just those beliefs and just learning to energetically align myself with that vibration of money. The first time I heard that, I was like, that sounds insane. But it's really just deconditioning every single thing that you did. It's not one. I don't think it's like one thing that I did that got me there. I still had to take the action and kind of create that foundation of masculine energy, which is taking action, but not just taking action, right? Because I can be very much like, oh, well, I just need to do, 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 do. Like, if I do this, then I'll do that. And if, if I do this more, then I'll get more of this, right? It was releasing all of that and just being acting as if living as if I'm already the version of myself that has everything I want. So I started showing up every single day in my business as the version of Tiffany that already had six figures. I'd never seen more than $1,000 in my bank account. I don't know what I was thinking. Looking <laughs> back, I have no idea where that even came from. I, I almost treated it as like a game. Like, if I just show up and I just show up as this version of myself, like, what's the worst thing that can happen? Ending with $50,000 in a year? Fine. Ending with $30,000 in a year? Fine. That's what I made the year before, it was $30,000. And this year, or I guess now it's last year, a couple of months ago, I made $30,000 in a week. Wow. So there's no there's literally no limitation. It's it's all in your head. It's all up in here. That's the biggest takeaway. It wasn't one action or one coach or one program. My program shifted so many times. It, it's I'm still updating it today, right? I have one signature eight-week program where I coach online coaches um, to create, launch, market their signature offer. So they go from zero to launched sometimes zero to sold out um, within a, a matter of weeks or, or a couple of months, which is amazing. And so that itself it was it was learning that I am worthy of charging high ticket pricing, multi-four figure um, pricing for my program and being able to attract aligned clients. And not just assuming that people don't have the money, you know, breaking down a lot of those beliefs around money and just showing up as that version of me. And it's, it took a lot of making scary investments, spending my first $4,000 on a coach, um, my first $15,000 on a six month mastermind, which I never thought I would spend that much money. Right. So there's, there's a lot that, that had to go behind it, but all of it was with the intention of I'm investing this money. Now it's going to come back to me tenfold. It just, has to, it just absolutely has to, and it always has. Right. And so, yeah, it's, it's a lot of living as if, and really being clear on exactly what you want, what's going to happen when you have that money right? I've already decided like once I make my first million dollars, which I know I'm going to do, um, or even when I first made my first hundred thousand dollars, like I'm putting money aside for my daughter so she can go to school. I'm going to get a new house, which is, I manifested this, this new place. Um, I'm going to get a new car, right? I'll, I'm going to get a new car sometime this year. I'm going to, um, give back and start organizations and charities for communities of color, the black community, the Asian American community that's under attack right now, please research it if you haven't already. Um, and the LGBTQ community, because I'm also queer. So there's so many things that I feel like lights my heart on, on fire and my soul on fire. And when good people make good money, they're able to raise the vibration of the universe. I always like to give this analogy. I'll, I'll end with this um, for this question. When you give someone a knife like this person can create this beautiful, like Thanksgiving dinner, right. For their family. And then everyone's saying, thank you to the person who created, right. It's not, the knife. It is the tool that was used to create the dinner. The knife can also be used to seriously hurt someone and and injure somebody, right? It's just a tool. So when people look at money, they instantly think, oh, money is bad. I'm scared of paying my bills. A bill came in, like, I don't know what to do with it. I don't even want to look at it, right? It's, It's building this relationship with money where you can create abundant amounts of it and releasing the beliefs That you've been told, or that you've caught on over the years from people that are living in that lack mindset, and completely cutting cords with that way of thinking in order to attract and experience more abundance. Because if I can do it, any, I I promise you, this is not. I am not a unique, special. Well, (laughs) we all are, but like. (laughs) not like a unique special case where someone, I want someone to look at that and be like, oh, well, that's really good for her, but that's never going to happen for me. No, I'm literally telling you, I'm only sharing all of this because it's possible for every single person. It really all just goes back into what are you telling yourself? Your thoughts are going to create your reality.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I'm so aligned with that mindset. It's funny because when you first said it, you said it might sound crazy. And I was thinking to myself, like, maybe that's not crazy to people who are not familiar <laughs> with these concepts, but this is something that I've been so involved in. Like, yeah, I really encourage people to look into, to these sort of ideas because I think that it's just like a gift that we've been given that we're able to really, we're, we're able to program, reprogram our subconscious minds. And absolutely. Yeah. And that's amazing. It's, it's incredible.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I love everything that you just said. thank you
0: yeah um by the way what do your parents think like now they see you super successful and happy and like
1: They're so proud. Yeah. They're they're so proud. They like brag about me to their friends and they're like my mom. Like I came in, my mom was listening to my podcast the other day, which by the way, I just launched my own podcast. It's the social reset podcast. And I talk about all of the things that I just um that I just shared. But yeah, they're they're really proud and they tell me that they're proud of me and our communication's gotten a lot better because I'm a words of affirmation girl. And my parents are both, again, just very non-emotional and expressive. So they've gotten so much better. like expressing how they feel and expressing their um like that they're so proud and I feel like our relationship is so much better. It's not perfect. I don't think we're ever going to have perfect relationships with our parents, Um, but like it's just, you know, it's just a fantasy, but I think it's gotten so much better because we've both taken the time to learn each other and to communicate better and to just be better people at the end of the day, right? It's, it's, you can't change, you can't force someone to change if they don't want to. So seeing my parents work on their own personal development and, you know, their own limited beliefs and things like that, even if it's not at the rate that I would want them to go, I don't have any control over that. I get to love them as they are. And I get to create boundaries as necessary. I get to, you know, choose what I share, um, with them, but, but yeah, they're, they're very proud.
0: That's great. Yeah. It's really wonderful. So first of all, um, who are your female role models?
1: Yeah, so like I mentioned the author Jen Sincero, she's really great at putting um, you know, very empowering words to paper. Um, Manifestation Babe, do you follow her? Yes, she's I so love great. Her. Yes. I love her so much. I love Catherine. Um, I also I love Michelle Obama. I think she's a really great um yeah, I think she's a really, really great role model for, for women as well as AOC. Like I love, I love both of them so much. I think they set a really good tone for rising women in the Senate, in the government, in the United States. Like, I think that's just so powerful. Um, so those are some big main ones that I've been listening to. Let me see if there's anyone else that comes to mind. Um, Yeah, I feel like those are the main ones that I've been listening to, especially these past couple of months that have helped me kind of pivot into this journey.
0: Cool. Yeah, that's great. Those are great women. Those are really special women, I should say, who are very inspiring. Okay, so this is the question that I ask everyone. Mm -hmm. What is something that you hope the next generation of women
1: won't have to struggle with? Oh, that's such a good question. Wow. I can say so many things. Um, I can say so many things, but the one thing that comes to mind right now for me and, and is what I'm currently teaching my daughter is do not dim your light for anyone. Do not make yourself small for a boy, for, for a romantic partner, for a friend, even for your family, for anyone around you. Don't force yourself to be smaller just for their sake be genuinely authentically who you are. If you're loud, be loud. If you like humor and you love cracking jokes, be your humorous self, right? If you, if there's something that lights you up and it maybe doesn't make sense to anyone else, who cares? Talk about it. Find people who love it too. Um, don't dim your light for anyone. I wish I wish someone told that to me when I was young and trying to just fit myself into this space and this space and, oh, I just want people to like me. Worry less about whether or not they like you and more about whether or not you even like them. <laughs> this goes for romantic relationships. This goes for friends. This goes for people you're collaborating with, any anything, right? Worry less about what they're thinking and focus on how are you feeling? What, what are your boundaries? And create, create boundaries, create things that are um like your core values and what is in alignment for you. Cause that's going to be different for everyone. Right. Um, what am client, like my client and I were talking about this and one of his core values, um, alignment values is radical honesty. So if someone lies to him, even if it's, you know, a small lie, he's like, oh, they've shown me that they don't, you know, perpetuate this, this core value of mine, which is honesty. This is just not someone that I'm going to choose to spend time with anymore. And that's so powerful because then you get to live your life in integrity and in alignment. And that way you're not frustrated down the line when someone lies to you over and over and over, you take them as they are and you decide, I'm just not going to be a part of that. And I wish you well, and that's it. So it's so important. Alignment, what are your values? And don't you dare dim that light for anyone. I love that. So great and important.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could, could you imagine how much better the world would be if we all really stood for what we believed in and protected our boundaries. Right, exactly. It would be
1: so different.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay, so where can people find you if they want to learn more about you?
1: Yes, so my... Instagram handle is at tiffanychung.co. Um, it should come up if you just type in Tiffany Chung, which is dot C O. That's also my website. Um, and I respond to all of my DMs. So if you had a question about something that we shared about on this podcast episode or something that you want me to kind of dive deeper into or answer any questions specifically, please reach out. Um, I love hearing from, from everybody. And yeah, I get back to everyone via DMs. So, and I would also just love to connect.
0: Thank you so much, Tiffany, for coming on and sharing your story. Thank you for having me. I've really enjoyed this. That's all for tonight. Thanks so much for listening. Connect with us on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Carmela Cosmetics. That's Carmela with a K and on our website, karmelacosmetics.com. If there's a woman in your life whose story needs to be heard, send me a message to let me know who she is and why she means so much to you. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review. We'd love to hear from you. We'd love to know your thoughts. We want you to feel heard.